0: Welcome to Beyond the Ivory Tower, Conversations on Journalism, with Sandra Banyats and Phoebe Mares. Hi, I'm Sandra, and my name is Phoebe, and you are listening to Beyond the Ivory Tower, Conversations on Journalism a podcast series where we want to talk about current research in journalism. And today we are talking about disinformation, also commonly referred to as fake fake news.
1: Police had to send a dispatch to a building because uh, a fake news story circulated that the uh, rooftop of a big condo caved in. But of course they went there and everything was fine. It was just a bad-angled picture.
2: The person you just heard was Edson Tandak, Associate Professor at the Nanyang Technological University in Singapore. And he was in Vienna
0: in February and presented a paper on fake news at the ACREA Journalism Studies section conference. Um, So we took this opportunity to have a chat with him on fake news, what it looks like and its impact.
1: I'm Edson Tandok Jr. I'm originally from the Philippines, um, where I work as a newspaper reporter for six years. I'm now with Nanyang Technological University in Singapore, uh, where I'm an associate professor specializing in journalism studies. Um, My professional experience as a journalist is probably the biggest influence in my research interests. Um, Now I focus on um, the impact of new technologies on journalism, and that's largely because I've witnessed how technology has disrupted or for some facilitated um, routines in journalism.
0: For the study that Edson presented, he took a step back and reflected on which aspects of fake news have been studied previously.
2: And instead of focusing on the fakeness of fake news, he looked at the newness of fake news.
1: Yeah, so um, I've been doing research on fake news uh, because I'm from the Philippines and fake news is a serious problem there. But um, in Singapore, the government is also being very proactive, um, so there's a lot of discourse on what can we do to prepare ourselves um, against fake news. Um, and so that got me into um, reviewing literature on fake news research. And what, like what I shared uh, in our presentation today here at ECRIA, uh, we reviewed a lot of research on fake news. and rightfully, people uh, people have a focus on how fake news is fake. It's, it's um, something that's um, with questionable uh, factual basis. Um, but for me as a former journalist and someone who's also observing, one reason that fake news has become a very potent um, form of misinformation is that it mimics news. And so by mimicking news, it also takes on the legitimacy and the Credibility that we've associated with real news. And so, but that's an assumption that's what a lot of people assume. So, we thought it might be um, also worthwhile and and helpful if we actually look into specific fake news articles and determine up to what extent they mimic the look and feel of real news. And basically, in a research, we we find that um, they use a lot of similar news values. Um, even the format is very similar. Um, most of the fake news articles we analyzed um, use the inverted pyramid format, which is a, a staple in traditional journalism. Um, but there are also like um, points of departure. Fake news articles tend to be um, more subjective. They include um, more opinions um, that are not attributed to any news source. Um, and they also lack impact. So in other news values like timeliness, um, prominence, um, negativity, they score similar to traditional news even more. So they're even more news than real news. But when it comes to impact and also subjectivity, that's where we see a point of departure. But just like what I said in the presentation, this finding should also make us question um, what we believe journalism should be. Um, I think it helps us reflect as a field. For example, one uh, different characteristic of fake news is that it involves a lot of subjectivity. And that's probably why it resonates with a lot of people. And that's also probably why biased news also resonates, um, because of subjectivity. So it will help us revisit our assumptions on, say, the role of objectivity in journalism and what it is that we should do as a field to Actually, reach people and make them pay attention to the important news that important and real news that we have.
2: So, if fake news is so similar to what we would consider factual news, can we expect that audiences can tell the difference between the two? And is it fair to
0: ask whether they even want to?
1: My research is also um, bringing me into understanding the role of motivations for news consumption. Um, We in the, uh, as journalists, we think that people read the news because they want to be informed. Um, but more and more as I do interviews and focus groups and surveys with news consumers in Singapore, we find that um, a main driving force of news consumption is actually the motivation to be entertained and also the motivation to be able to socialize after. For example, news sharing. Um, news sharing is mo- motivated by wanting to humor your friends or show your friends you care about them or tell your friends that you remembered them and you know that this piece of content is something that will interest them more than this something that will inform me and my friend Um, and so if we value information more for its social rather than information value then the accuracy becomes secondary and so I think That's something we also need to look at, uh, whether news motivations are playing a significant role in how fake news spreads.
0: If fake news contains so much of what audiences are drawn to, then are producers
2: of fake news actually onto something? And how is this different from satire, which also contains made-up bits of information?
1: Well, satire is... um, a mixture of fact and fiction. But at least with satire, the demarcation is very clear. And as I've said, when I presented um, with new satires and news parodies, there is an agreement between the audience and those producing this that the fakeness is an instrument for humor, right? Um, and so audiences would know not to suspend disbelief.
0: While audiences know what to expect when they're consuming
2: satire, fake news is something entirely different. And the implication of this disinformation is far more serious.
1: In, in Singapore, a lot of the fake news that we have been monitoring are about consumer affairs. Um, and there's also direct impact and that some like a restaurant might be the subject of a fake um, news article and that people would believe and would start saying bad things about this restaurant. There was one case where they were forced to close for a few days just because of negative backlash online. On something it was totally untrue. So um, the businesses in Singapore are, have been proactive in then also clarifying, but it's always after the fact. you know. So you issue a correction, and the correction does not reach everyone that got the fake news to start with. So that's always an issue of playing catch-up with fake news. Um, Authorities have stepped in. They've used social media very well to clarify misinformation that have spread online. Um, One case, for example, the police had to send a dispatch to a building because uh, a fake news story circulated that the uh, rooftop of a big condo caved in. But of course, they went there and everything was fine. It was just a bad-angled picture and it was labeled as, you know, something happened. Um, But that wasted government resources and caused some people to unnecessarily panic. Well, compared to other countries like the U.S., where fake news is all about politics, in Singapore, um, fake news is more about consumer and health-related issues. Um, and, and, And these are the things that have day-to-day direct impact on people um, but the government is also very conscious that while well, Singapore is a very small it's a multiracial country and, and there are some tensions that so far they've been able to manage but you know like what fake news does is it plays into these tensions that are underneath and helps surface them um, so the, the government has been proactive um, it's been, um, it created a committee to look into the issue of fake news. They've, in March last year, they held public deliberations and series of he- hearings, um, and the committee came up with a 323 plus plus pages report um, to understand what the issue is in Singapore and propose um, interventions and programs that different sectors can do. So it was it's a very comprehensive report.
2: It seems that there is definitely some immediate impact of fake news, and in Singapore, especially on consumer affairs. But
0: what does this spread of misinformation mean for journalism?
1: For someone who studies journalism, for me, I'm also very concerned on the long-term macro impact on journalism as an institution. So in, in some countries like the United States, we're seeing a continuous decline in trust on institutions such as the government and including the the news media. And I think if we keep on seeing fake news and it gets uncontrolled, it will potentially also hurt um, trust in journalism in general in that, especially now that journalism is increasingly being consumed on social media and on social media, users don't really distinguish between sources, right? As long as okay, I got this information, but we don't really remember if it was from a friend or is it from a page I follow, or was it a uh, was it from um, the guardian uh, uh, whose page I follow? Um, we on social just because of the amount of information we get on social media, we at some point we disassociate between the source and the the message, um, and if that happens, um, when we see negative stories or backlash against fake news, we might then wrongly attribute that back to traditional journalism, that they're not doing their job or all these fake news is just coming from all different sources, including traditional um, journalism. And so my worry is that there'll be a long-term effect where this might even um, increase the extent to which trust in institutions like journalism will decrease.
0: So what are motives for people to create and spread this misinformation?
2: Should we, as journalism studies researchers, also focus on the producers of fake news?
1: Some scholars have started looking at, you know, how do fake news producers um, understand their role or their business? At least for some of them. Um, for me, my concern is how do we how do we communicate all our findings to people, those who consume information? Um, I mean, there, a lot of people talk about media literacy, but f- personally, I think that might also backfire. It's as if we're telling these people that you need to be educated about your news consumption, when part of the issue could be um, is that they're turning to these alternative sources of information, some of which provide inaccurate information, because they feel neglected or sidelined by the establishment. Um, And so the more we, if we approach them to say that, You've been consuming news from the wrong sources, or that your whatever you're doing with your news consumption is wrong. We might get a backlash effect that they will retreat more to these alternative sources. Um, so I think we need I think media literacy is important, but we need to be very careful and careful in terms of how we communicate it and how we package it to um, reach the people that need such kind of assistance.
2: This is a good point and makes us wonder how successful media literacy initiatives can actually be because research has shown that audiences
0: are often more drawn to information that speaks to their beliefs.
1: Yeah, that that I think that's also a, a very important problem. Um, and we cannot avoid that as you know, as humans we have our own biases and um, our own preferences and we should eat, it's cognitively easier to consume information that's already consistent with what we know and what we believe in. Um, so part of that we can we can address with more media literacy um, training and get people to reflect on their use consumption. But another thing is um, there are types of information that shouldn't have gone out to the public domain to begin with. Um, things like those people who say climate change is unreal, I mean, there is evidence that it's really happening. And um, research on false balance in the news, for example, um, showed that even traditional news platforms have given these people the space to air a very minority and factually inaccurate view. Um, Social media platforms and search engines, um, the tech giants... They're the ones providing this platform now, so I think they are trying to do something. Um, but it, it's something that we we need to discuss and plan very well um, how to control these kinds of information from getting into the public domain to start with. Um, opinion is fine. I mean, right? There should be a free market for opinions to confront one another and. Help people decide for themselves, but facts are facts. They shouldn't be negotiable, right? Um, so there should there should be a way to um, control that at the side of the platforms.
0: Does that mean that both journalists and scholars need to reconsider some of the long standing journalistic norms?
1: Something that might come that might be positive um, within all these issues that we're confronting. Because of fake news is that it it is forcing us as a field journalism as a field to really reflect on what we've been doing, what are the things we've done that are now being taken advantage by the fake news producers um, it, it forces us to revisit our taken for granted norms and principles and revisit whether they're they're really serving, the purpose that they were initially designed for. Um, so hopefully there's that's uh, something positive that can come out of this. You
2: know. As we are approaching the end of this episode, there's one question remaining. Yep, you guessed it. What does
0: Edson think are some interesting areas to look into in the future?
1: Hopefully someone is already doing it. But it will be nice to do um, a cross-country comparison um, of how serious the problem of fake news is in different countries, areas around the world, and what could explain such variations. Um, it will be nice to see also the what structural factors could have influenced um, this situation. Because um, the research we're doing, a lot of them are about the United States, but as I've said, the fake news they get there is very different. The media context, the political context is very different from what we're seeing in other countries. Um, But a lot of countries have problems with fake news. The degree might be different. Um, The nature of fake news they see are also different. So I think it would be very um, helpful to to determine what structural factors influence these patterns around the world.
2: So we hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast. If you want to know more about Edson's work, you can go to the Nanyang Technological University of Singapore webpage.
0: And if you'd like to know more about our research, you can find us at the Journalism Studies Center at the University of Vienna. And our website is journalismstudies.univ.ac.at.
2: There you can also find information on the rest of our team, Daniel Nölleke and Michael Marbacher, led by Volker Hanush, and also our contact details, if you'd like to get in touch. We
0: hope you'll be around for our next podcast, where we speak with Birgit rowe from the Nord University in Norway on audience participation in local journalism.
2: The music you heard today is from Blue Dot Sessions, and we also want to... Thank Lisa Kiesenhofer again for lending us her beautiful voice. My name is Sandra, and I'm Phoebe. Bye. Until next time. Bye. <laughs>